0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 4th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Karen and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal reversed the Elaine Valdez case and ruled that reports of non-MPN physicians are indeed admissible into evidence. In April 2011, the WCAB issued the en decision in Elaine Valdez versus Warehouse Demo Services which attempted to resolve the long-term uncertainty about the admissibility of the reports of non-MPN physicians. After Valdez filed her claim, she was sent for treatment to the employer's MPN, where she first received medical care. Valdez then began treating with a non-MPN physician upon referral from her attorney. The WCAB, in a split and bank decision, ruled that non-MPN physician reports are not admissible when the employer has properly complied with MPN regulations. The WCAB reasoned that Labor Code Section 4616.6 provides that no other reports shall be admissible to resolve any controversy arising out of this article and thus precludes the admissibility of non-MPN medical reports. The Court of Appeal reversed and remanded in the unpublished opinion of Elaine Valdez versus WCAB and Warehouse demo Services. In ruling that non-MPN reports are indeed admissible, the Court reasoned that it does not make sense to construe Section 4616.6 as a general rule of exclusion barring any use of medical reports other than those generated by MPN physicians. The opinion says that Section 46.16.6 states nothing of the sort. If the legislature intended to exclude all non-MPN medical reports, the legislature could have said so, and it did not. Injured worker Alexander A. De Los Reyes sued QME Kevin F. Hanley, MD, alleging that Dr. Hanley filed a false medical report in connection with his application for workers' compensation benefits. The complaint alleges that while Dr. Hanley was acting as a QME, he prepared a report that falsely stated the worker's knee was normal. The worker also alleges that Dr. Hanley destroyed evidence by substituting an MRI image of a different patient's knee. The trial court sustained Dr. Hanley's demur to plaintiff's second amended complaint without leave to amend. The trial court said that the QME's alleged actions were protected by the litigation privilege of Civil Code Section 47. De Los Reyes, uh, Reyes appealed the dismissal. The Court of Appeal, in the unpublished opinion of Alexander A. De Los Reyes versus Kevin F. Hanley, M.D., sustained the dismissal of his case. A case said, cited by the trial court was directly on point. In the 1998 case of Harris versus King, Harris alleged Dr. King misrepresented Harris's medical condition in a report prepared in connection with a workers' compensation claim and framed the complaint in part in terms of fraud and breach of fiduciary duty. The court found all of Harris's claims barred by the litigation privilege, even if the report had been prepared and communicated maliciously and with knowledge of its falsity. The Court of Appeal concluded. That this clear precedent supports the trial court's ruling. A new WCAB panel decision clarifies Olga v. 3 standards. Here's what happened in the case of Doreen Dahl versus Contra Costa County. Dahl incurred a CT industrial injury to her neck and right shoulder, causing a need for further future medical treatment and 59% permanent disability. The rating was calculated pursuant to the 2005 PDRS. In reaching his decision, the work comp judge expressed the view that under the 2011 Court of Appeal holding in Olga v. City and County of San Francisco, an injured worker could not rebut the diminished future earning capacity adjustment factor contained in the PDRS by expert testimony similar to LaBeouf unless it was shown that the injury caused a total loss of future earning capacity and 100% permanent disability. Applicant petitioned for reconsideration and contended that she successfully rebutted the PDRS rating awarded by the work comp judge by showing that her DFEC is higher than that allowed by the scheduled rating. And she contended that a Labuff type of analysis is properly applied in cases involving less than 100% permanent disability when it is shown that the disabling effect of the injury impairs the employee's rehabilitation. The WCAB granted reconsideration, and the findings and award was rescinded, and the case was remanded for further proceedings. The WCAB agreed that a LaBeouf type of analysis may be properly applied in a case involving less than 100% permanent disability when it is shown that the injury impairs the employee's rehabilitation. An employee effectively rebuts the schedule rating when the employee will have a greater loss of future earnings than reflected in a rating because due to the industrial injury, the employee is not amenable to rehabilitation. The case of Doreen Dahl versus Contra Costa County is one of what is expected to be a plethora of cases that will sort out the aftermath of the lack of specific guidance in the Olga V3 decision on how to calculate the DFEC component of the rating formula. A jury has awarded more than $520,000 to a former City of San Diego employee who was fired because of a disability he suffered on the job. The jury found in favor of David Flores after a five-day jury trial. Flores was a city mechanical inspector when he injured his spine in a 2006 car crash while working. Ferris returned to his job and continued to work in an exemplary manner until he was fired nearly four years later. His attorney claims the city fired Flores in 2010 because of a restriction in a 2009 workers' compensation report that said he could not climb ladders, a restriction the city said it could not accommodate. He argued that the city was obligated to follow state and federal laws requiring reasonable accommodations for disabled employees who can perform their duties and want to continue to work. In addition to the jury award, Flores is entitled to recover his attorney fees and other costs from the city. A spokesman for the city attorney's office would not discuss details of the case. Options for the city will be discussed in a June 12 closed session with the city council. And in medical news, a new medical study says that the use of interpreters shortens hospital stays. Hospitalized patients who are not fluent in English ended up spending fewer days in the hospital when they get help from a language interpreter at certain crucial times. Researchers also found that people who had access to translation services were also less likely to be readmitted for the same complaint within the next month. The Federal Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality says that in 2009, the average inpatient visit in a U.S. hospital lasted 4.6 days. Thus, by cutting down the length of stay and readmissions, the use of a trained interpreter could reduce overall costs of care for hospitals. Census statistics show an estimated 9% of Americans struggle to communicate in English. Those people may be unable to explain their symptoms to a doctor or to understand their doctor's instructions and treatment plan. For the new study, researchers track treatment records for more than 3,000 patients with limited English skills. Of these patients, 75% spoke either Spanish or Portuguese, 15% spoke Vietnamese, Albanian, or Russian, and the remaining 10% spoke one of 65 other languages. All study participants used interpretation services at least once during their stay. About 39% of them used professional interpreters on both the day they were admitted and the day they were discharged from the hospital. 14% had no interpreters on either day. The researchers reported in the Journal of General Internal Medicine that patients with access to an interpreter at both admission and discharge stayed in the hospital for one and a half fewer days on average compared to those who did not have language help. That was after taking into account patients' age, gender, language, and severity of illness. Length of stay was halfway in between for patients who had an interpreter at discharge, but not during admission. More than 500 study participants were readmitted to the hospital within 30 days of their initial discharge. And patients who did not receive interpretation services at key points returned with the same complaint more frequently than those who did. The study's findings are in line with mounting evidence that shows professional medical interpreters help improve the quality of care as well as reduce costs, length of stay, and readmissions for patients who have limited English proficiency. And in financial news, California's insurance commissioner is recommending that workers' compensation insurers boost average rates by 8.26% for new and renewing policies starting July 1. The boost is still less than the amount recommended by the organization that advises the California Department of Insurance. The Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau of California had advised a rate of $2.51 per $100 of payroll. The Rating Bureau recommended the increase because of worsening claim results and lower forecasts of wage growth in California. The Association of California Insurance Companies said Jones's decision was a responsible choice. Now each insurer will look at their book of business and decide the appropriate rate that balances the needs of a competitive marketplace and their individual claims expenses. California's workers' comp insurers use the recommendations from the commissioner and the rating bureau as a benchmark, but they're free to set their own rates. A new study says the cost per claim of medical treatments for injured workers in California were growing rapidly after large decreases that resulted from system reforms in prior years. According to the WCIRI study, medical payments per workers' compensation claim in California rose about 8% per year from 2005 to 2009. These increases followed an overall decrease of about 30% from 2002 to 2005. The WCIRI said the growth in medical payments per claim was driven by both increases in the utilization of medical care and prices for some services. The study reported that use of medical services in California increased moderately starting in 2006, reflecting a potential combined impact of changes in regulations, practice patterns, and participant behavior. Another underlying factor might be the update of the medical treatment utilization schedule that allowed additional post-surgery physical medicine services outside of the 24-visit limit in the reform. Other medical cost drivers include more frequent billing for complex office visits with higher prices Increases in the percentage of claims that received major radiology services. A rise in prices paid for office visits due due to a large fee schedule increase and increases in costs for hospital outpatient and or ambulatory surgical center services due to regulation updates. Medical cost containment expenses and medical legal expenses per claim also grew rapidly. And in other news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has created a follow-up survey online about copy services and their fees in the workers' compensation system. The first survey in November 2011 brought forward many valuable suggestions, some of which are reflected in the second survey, to solicit more in-depth information from interested parties. Both surveys are designed to collect feedback that can be used to meet stakeholder needs and make improvements to the current system. The survey can only be filled out once and will be available until July 2nd. The Division of Workers' Compensation is examining the services provided and associated fees charged by copy services in the workers' comp community. All interested parties are invited to provide their comments opinions, and viewpoints in the survey questions on the DWC website. More than 400 of California's most proactive employers and workers' compensation professionals are expected to attend the California Coalition on Workers' Compensation 10th Annual Conference this year. Participants will enjoy three days of educational sessions, engaging discussions, and networking opportunities. Attendees will learn will earn MCLE and Claims Adjuster continuing education credits during the conference, which is scheduled for July 11th to the 13th at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel in Anaheim. Special guest speaker Christine Baker, the director of the Department of Industrial Relations, will deliver the keynote address on Thursday, July 12th. Ms. Baker will discuss the DIR's current perspective on California's workers' compensation system, including what is working the opportunities that exist, and what employers can anticipate in the coming year. The conference will conclude with a closing general session on Friday, July the 13th, with a presentation from Rosa Moran, the Administrative Director of the Division of Workers' Compensation, and Tim East, the Director of Risk Management of Walt Disney Company. The California's Labor Enforcement Task Force has announced a public hotline, 855 855- for California workers and employers to call in documented complaints or to provide enforcement tips. DIR Director Christine Baker said that this task force hotline is another step towards ensuring that workers and employers have somewhere to report unlawful work activities. Task force force members include DIR's Division of Labor Standards Enforcement and Cal-OSHA, as well as the Employment Development Department, Board of Equalization, Alcohol and Beverage Control, and the Bureau of Automotive Repair. Businesses operating underground generally violate those laws that are designed to protect workers and California's economy. Skirting income taxes, not carrying workers' compensation insurance, and paying employees less than what they're owed are common practices of underground businesses. These underground operations subsequently require lower overhead, giving an unfair advantage to the illegal businesses or legitimate law-abiding employers. Complaints will be screened and per- prioritized in order to catch the most egregious offenders. And with that, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.